I'm excited. We're getting into the book of Philippians. This is one of those books, right, that we're going to get right into this sermon series. And this is one of those books that, you know, you could actually read in about 15 minutes. I promise you, you could. Try, challenge me on it, all right? It's four chapters. You can read it in 15 minutes, all right? And uh, it's a book of encouragement. Who needs a little bit of joy in their life, right? Yeah, absolutely. We all need joy. You know, what we really focus a lot of times, though, is on happiness. We're always looking for happiness. But before I, I get really into that, I, I kind of want to touch a little bit of bases with you before we dig right in and in deeper into the Word. But the book of Philippians, it's one of the most, I guess you could say, uh, inspirational or, or beautiful books of the New Testament. It was written by the Apostle Paul uh, to a church that he had actually planted. All right. Paul was a church planner. All right. So this is a church that he planted. He's writing a letter to a church. He's showing deep affection. He's got deep, a deep love for this church. And uh, the reason why is because he had actually spent some time in prison in Philippi. And this is a church that's in, in, in the European nations. And, uh, and so he, he, he had spent some time in prison there. And you can read that in Acts chapter 16. Uh, we're not going to get quite into that, but you can, you can read into that a little bit later to understand how the church of Philippi came about. But Paul is writing a letter to this church to help mature them. Now, I tell people all the time, I'm 40 years old, but I am probably the most immature thinking 40-year-old there is. All right? Just plain and simple. All right? I, 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 I have learned, and, and look, you know, some people say, well, Pastor, you're not that old. I get it. I'm not that old. Thank God. And you know what? I am not that old. I tell myself that daily. I am not that old. Uh, I think, I, I don't know if I shared this with you, um, it was like three weeks ago, I, I had to go see, or I've, I've got to go see a doctor, and, and I had to fill out a form, and it said, how old you are, your age. Oh, yes. I had to write four zero, all right? That was not fun for me. I did not enjoy that. Some of you are like, it's not that big a deal. I'm double that. Praise the Lord for you. All right, you've lived a great life, and you're going to continue to do so. But... Um, you know, this letter was written to mature these people, this church. It covers a topic that I think we all need um, to believe, and that is to learn to have joy no matter what. Have joy no matter what. Have you ever met that person that, like, they can have the worst day in the world, and they seem to be so positive, and you just want to punch them square in the nose? Like, seriously, you know? We've been there. You've met that person. Well, guess what? That person's got something you don't have. They've got joy, okay? We understand what is it the, the Bible tells us? Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say what? Rejoice. But the key word there is what? Always. Always means when everything's going great and always means when everything is tanking, all right? Always. And uh, the, the Bible's just trying to help us out, just trying to help you and I live a more productive and a, and a better life, you know, have a better environment. The irony of this book, though, that Paul is writing is that he's talking about joy and what we're about to get into, but this guy's in prison. I'm not sure about you, but if I were in prison for what he was doing, I don't know that I would be writing a book about joy. Thank God it was him and not me. But this book of the New Testament is part of the New Testament prison epistles. In other words, Paul was writing them while he was serving his sentence at that time, but he's in this Roman jail and 
You got to kind of picture it. You know, he wasn't just in a cell by himself or anything like that, but he was in this Roman jail and he's shackled to this guard. And, you know, he had high hopes because when he had that Damascus Road transformation, if you've not read that, you should read that. It's a great experience that Paul had a transformation moment that he had with God and with Jesus, okay? But here he is, he's in this prison and he's chained to this guard. And, and let's just face it, the environment probably was not very well, okay? He was probably not happy, he probably didn't have a lot of joy going on, but obviously he did because he wrote about joy. But if it were you and I, we would not have joy. We would be down on the dumps, we would be trying to figure out how in the world this could happen. Why God? Anybody ever ask that question, why God? We're going to get into that in just a minute too, all right? But so here he is, but you need to understand something about Paul is this, that when he had that transformation moment and, and he felt that call in his life to go out and to, to preach, I mean, he started churches, he preached all over the place, he, he was a, a huge ambassador for Jesus Christ, and, and we see that even to this day, he still is, and his writings are still impacting people and, and all of this, but he had this desire and a plan. Has anybody ever had a desire and a plan before? Right? Yes. Thank you. One person. All right. But here's what his desire and plan. His desire was he wanted to go to Rome, which was pretty much the capital city of the world at that time. And he wanted to stand into the central aspect or central places of Rome and preach the gospel. And thousands would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because he would have such a powerful crusade. But unfortunately, for Paul, and fortunately for us, see, let me, let me say this. I'm, I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but I, I want to say this. Sometimes the circumstance you're going through in life really doesn't line up with the plan that you think that you have for your life or that what God wants to fulfill. But the circumstances that you're going through in your life may not speak to you physically or personally, but you don't know who it is speaking to while they're watching your character and how you're handling the pressures of the moment. All right, so I just want to make that, that very clear here. But so here we got Paul, and he's in Rome, and he's not there how he thought he was going to be there. Now he's there as a prisoner, and he's not speaking to thousands of people and bringing them to Christ. He's probably just having a conversation with this jailer. But so Paul's in this jail, and this is 10 years, approximately 10 years, after he had planted this church in Philippi, whom he's writing to. Now, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, read this. I thank God. Hmm. I think about that statement. I go, what? Why would you be thanking God? Our, our terminology would be like what? Help. Not I thank God. God, help. Right? Am I right? Oh, thank you. Tough crowd. This is a journey that we're going to go on this morning. It's human nature in these situations for us to cry and to complain. It's human nature for us to what? Have the mo- Keep that up, please. I'm not done. But have the most rotten attitude that you can have in this moment. We've all been there. You've been in situations where you have had the worst attitude, right? I ain't going to lie. I had one this week. It put me in the worst mood that you could possibly think. And sure enough, as I'm preparing the message, you know what's speaking to me? This. And I'm going, really? He's thanking God in this moment. 
Most of us would not be thinking. We would be screaming, help, God. But that's us. We, are, we tend to want to complain, and we tend to look at a bad day and go, oh, what? Poor me. We need to learn this, that we need to have joy even when times are not going exactly the way we hope for. We need to learn to have joy even when everything is counting against us, even when everything, and that's hard. You don't want to hear that. Some of you right now are sitting there going, I need to hear it, but I don't. I don't want to hear it. Because, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You're right, I don't know. But I know this, that God is so much bigger than whatever situation that you're facing right now. And that he's got a plan. And if we would just be patient enough to allow God to work things out, you will later on look back and say, oh, I saw the hand of God moving strategically in placing me where I need to be placed and putting people into my life that needs to be put in and taking people out of my life that needs to be out. Scripture goes on to say this. I'm going to read it all over again. I thank my God every time I remember you speaking to the church of Philippi. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, meaning he's what? He's being very sure that he who what began a work in you will carry it out, will carry it unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Some of you right there, you need to like memorize that little portion that says, and he will carry it out. He began a good work in you. He's going to carry it out. He's not done. He's not gave up. He's not pushed you aside because of some poor decision that you have made. Listen, I make poor decisions all the time. Ask my kids. They disagree with me. (laughs) To them it's poor, to me it's right. All right, cool. In other words, every dream or vision that maybe God has poured out to you, it's going to take place. He's going to see these things through. So how does he do this? How can he have, Paul speaking, this type of an attitude in the environment that he's in? How can he be so positive and so full of joy and so excited? Most of us, we're always looking for this, not joy, but a pursuit of happiness. Everybody ever see that movie from Will Smith, Pursuit of Happiness? It's a great movie. You should see it sometime. It has nothing to do with the message. But we're always looking what? The American dream. I love this saying, blue skies and baseball, right? That's what we're looking for. Some of your baseball fans really appreciated that. But we're always looking for happiness, but there's something more important than happiness in life, and that is joy. Joy is elusive. Many people never discover it, and and unfortunately, they find ways uh, to to miss the opportunity to allow joy to come into their life. But what I want to do for a moment here is this. I want to give us some differences between happiness and joy, okay? Before we get into our big points, here we go. Happiness is external. In other words, we are happy when things on the outside are going great. You know, the sun is shining, I'm happy. When it's raining, I'm not, right? Joy is internal, 
Meaning this, my joy is not based on the circumstance surrounding me. Be honest here. Paul has this exactly right with this message. He's in a circumstance that's surrounding him that is not favorable, but yet he is still offering joy. Paul had a rough life. Second Corinthians chapter 11, you have to read that at some point, but it says he lists several things that he had went through. Um, he went through 39 lashes. He was beaten with rods, but yet, yet this, still got, this guy still got joy. So somebody could look at you and say, or give you the worst like, look in, your, in their face and you, your joy is gone. This guy's been beaten. You get that? For Jesus. Yet he still has joy. He was shipwrecked. Still, I ran aground one time. I did not have joy. Six hours. Do you all remember that story? I try to forget it. But he was shipwrecked. He, it, he floated for some of 36 hours. And watch this. Finally, he gets to land and he builds a fire and a snake jumps out and bites him. Are you serious? But yet this guy is still full of joy. He's that guy that is just, it could be the worst day possible. And you just like, mm, you know. He was stoned, to, not recreationally, but with rocks. Think about that for a second, all right? Some of you, there, it took a minute, all right? It took a minute, I get it. <laughs> Some of you, flashbacks, get it out of your mind, get it out of your mind. But even going through all of this and all these things, this guy had joy. Watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16-18 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, meaning everything is going bad around us. Can somebody say amen to that if you're going through something? Thank you. Yet inwardly, well here we've got a different dynamic going on. We are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary. So in other words, speaking of this, there was nothing light that he was going through. And there was definitely nothing momentarily. Everything looked permanent for him in this moment. It was hard and it was lasting a long time in his life. But the scripture goes on to say, troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We are to fix our eyes on what is seen, but what, but not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is what? Temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Wow. You know, I, I say this all the time, and your life is nothing but just a vapor compared to your eternal existence. The decisions you make yesterday have formed you today, but the decisions that you're making today are going to result in your eternity. I want you to think about that for a second. In other words, joy outweighs happiness. All right, so here we go. Happiness is based on circumstance. From the Latin word hap, it actually means um, circumstance or, or luck, right? In other words, you are totally at the mercy of just whatever's happening. Circumstance literally means that you're dwelling in something. Have you ever noticed that there are two, groups of, two different groups of people can experience the same thing but have a different outlook on it? It's kind of like, is the glass empty, half empty, or half full? Joy offers something that happiness can't. Joy is based on Christ. 
our relationship with Christ. Jesus wants to do two things within our lives. One is supernatural. In other words, he can change you and make you into a brand new person. But then there's the natural, the things he will teach you, and you have to learn. It's the things that you sit here on Sundays and Wednesdays or in a life group or wherever you might go to in your devotional time. Those are the moments where he's speaking to us and the natural to develop our character, to change us, to, to make us more what? Holy. Remember what holy is. It means different. Don't be, don't be um, intimidated by that word. Respect it, but don't be intimidated by it. Holy means we are to be different, which means what? We are to be set apart. When society sees us, they don't see us as them. They see us as the body of Christ. Paul says it in Philippians 4 and 11. He says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned some things, in other words, and it's really helped me. Watch this. Happiness begins by chance, right? The problem here is that it's not up to you. It's the elements around you that determine whether or not you're happy. But joy happens by choice. That is up to you. And we must be careful in letting the things around us determine who we are. We must make that choice ourselves and determine that who we are and whom we are and that whom is Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read a story for you. Some of you are, might be familiar with this, but enjoy it anyway. Horatio G. Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son had died of pneumonia in 1871, and in that same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Yet God, in his mercy and kindness, allowed their business to flourish again. On November 24th, or excuse me, 21st, 1873, the French ocean liner that they were on was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Miss Spafford and the four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, he had found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife he would join her and their children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship. About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, their ship collided with a powerful iron-hauled Scottish ship. Suddenly, all of those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck and she knelt there with her four children and prayed that God would spare them if that would be his will or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited for them. Within approximately 12 minutes, their ship slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including, including excuse me, the four Spafford children. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. He pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another large vessel, which nine days later 
landed them in Wales. From there, she had wired a message to her husband, which only said this, saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed the telegram and he placed it in his office. Right away, he booked a passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Mr. Spafford to his cabin and told him that where they were in that moment was the place that his four children went down. And he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roar, roll, whatever my, my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. A choice that was made. And, 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 and we look at our situation sometimes and, and we can't find joy. But here you had a man who went through devastation. Obviously, he knew the source of his joy and that was Christ Jesus. The Bible gives us a choice today that we can't maybe stop our circumstances. And truth be known, they're going to happen. We're in the middle of it. Deuteronomy 30 and 19 says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, but what now choose life. Making a choice that I'm going to be in the middle of whatever problem I might be in. I'm going to grab a hold of this thing. Same as the Apostle Paul did while he was in prison. And be grateful for the joy that God has given me through his son, Jesus Christ. Whatever joy that Paul was possessing as he was writing this letter, I went for my life. I went for your life. I went for this church. I went for this community. Philippians 1, 9 through 11 is a great prayer. And I'm, I'm going to read this scripture, but as I do it, I feel it's a prayer for all of us. And it is this. And this is my prayer. That, you love, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. In other words, we need to learn the things that need to happen to us supernaturally. But say that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. Paul dives right into the con content of three things. And we're going to look at those things, how he was able to have joy in his life. The first one is this. Stop asking why. It's tempting. I get it. You're in the middle of a situation and you want to know why. Why are you going to? What have I done, God, to deserve this? Why are you allowing my life to be in this season? Why have you taken this, these people out of my life? Why is everything around me seem to be crashing down? John 16, says this, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. This is a promise he tells us, Jesus speaking. In this world you will what? Have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. God never promised that you wouldn't have problems. He never promised that you would not go through tribulations. He never promised that you would not have a bad day. What he promised was is you will overcome this. You can overcome this, and you will overcome this. Many times we look at, you know, God, I really felt you speaking to me, and, and God, I really thought my spouse was going to come to Christ. I'm not seeing it. But yet you know that God's been speaking to you that that spouse is going to come. Don't give up. Or that child, don't give up. 
God, I knew you were going to put this special person in my life, but it seems like every relationship I get into is a dead end. Stop choosing and let God choose. Don't give up. Don't allow your thoughts, your behavior, interrupt what God wants to do. Paul knew that no matter what happened to him, there was always a way of an escape, and the solution was God. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, I was having a conversation with a friend. I think it was on Tuesday this week. And it was uh, through text. We weren't talking. It was through Facebook Messenger. And it was a childhood friend that I had. And we, 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 we grew up together in Baltimore. And, and we, we were raised in the same church uh, when we were really little. And uh, we, we always stayed in contact. But through the years, we had lost you know, contact with one another. And him, like me, we both went to Bible college. We both went to different schools. He went up in Ohio. I was in North Carolina. And we still, you know, every now and then would talk. But we had a, a friendship, but it was now it's been spaced far in between. But we found each other on Facebook, and we've, we've remained friends during that and, and just talking here and there. And the other day, I noticed he had posted something uh, for everyone to see, and I, I got encouragement from it. I thought that was great. He was telling everyone that, you know, God was doing something in his life and he was going to be planning a church. And I knew this was a big step for this guy because him, like me, had gone through a divorce and gone through something very difficult in his life. And it was very unfair for him. I, know, I, I know, knew the details of what had happened. And he had kind of just kind of gave up on the whole thing and, and just, you know... <laughs> God, you're not going to use me. I'm just going to push it all to the side. And, and when I saw those words, I instantly reached out. I said, man, I know this is the right thing for you. I know that God is speaking into your life. And he's, he's, that dream is not over. That dream and that pursuit that God put inside of you is not over. That calling that God has put inside of you is not over. I don't know what things have tried to come in and attack you and to distract you. I'm speaking to you now. I don't know what things have been uh, weighing against you heavily. If, if you know something, understand this. The word of God says, trust in the Lord. Lean not unto your own understanding, right? But in all of your ways, acknowledge him. The word lean means to literally place your, place your weight on him so he can support you. Some of you need to understand that this morning. You need to lean unto God. Right now, where it could be very difficult in this season you may be living in, but God is not done in your life. Don't allow your circumstances to, to, to dictate whether or not you're going to be happy. I don't want to be happy. I want to be joyful because joy comes from the Lord. Happiness only comes from the things surrounding us. So instead of asking why, number two, start asking what? Lord, what are you doing in this? Lord, what is your purpose? Lord, what do you want from me now? Not what do you want from me now? No, Lord, what do you want me to do now? You've, you, you've changed my environment, so there's a reason for it. There's a plan. You're either trying to teach me something or you want me to impact someone else's life. What are you trying to do right now? This is how we can channel joy in our lives. 
you will realize that God is up to something, that he's, more, that he's something more powerful and different than what your plan might have been. Look at the book of Philippians because Paul's plan didn't work out. Remember, he was going to Rome, but he was going as a free person, preaching the gospel and winning thousands to Christ. Instead, he's in Rome, but now he's in a prison. He's only talking to this joker that's chained to him. That's kind of, that's a downer. You know what I mean? Everyone has bad days, but how do you, how do you handle that day? And what are you doing with it? Watch this. Philippians 1, 13 through 14 says this. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. In other words, he's saying, look, it's no secret anymore. I'm here because I love Jesus and I'm telling people about it and they don't like me because I'm full of joy and they're not. That's how I look at it. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and they're all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Watch this. This is what's so cool. I'm like, I'm like a kid at Christmas right now. I want to jump through my skin because I see something here that maybe you're not seeing. And it is this, that because of where I'm at and because of the circumstance that I'm inside of and because of everything that's coming against me, it is getting out that my faith hasn't been wavered, that I'm still serving Jesus, but even more so, I'm still going about the calling that he has given me and it's gotten out to the guards, it's gotten out to the palace, And watch this. People are talking. Ah! People are talking and it's spreading. And now the ones who were looking up to me realize the the banner's on me now. And now I have to go and spread the word and spread the gospel. And they're doing it with a spirit of joy that is winning thousands upon thousands to Jesus. Why? Because one man in that moment did not allow his circumstance to dictate his attitude. He allowed who his God was to show forth and allow the power of the Holy Spirit make a difference in this world. That's a good attitude. It's hot in here. I'm going to tell you a story. There's a, there's a king and he had his best friend. And they would go out hunting. And so the king and the best friend went out. The best friend was, would load the gun up. And the king would fire the gun. Well, one day the king, they went out hunting. And the best friend went ahead, loaded the gun up. The king fired the gun. It blew up on him and took his thumb off. The friend looks at him and goes, it is good. The king got very irate, very upset, throws him in jail. So here's this guy. He goes in jail. King looks at him and goes, what do you have to say now? He goes, well, it is good. (laughs) All right. Many years later go on by. The king is out hunting again. The best friend's still in jail. Apparently they're not best friends anymore, but he's still in jail. And the king goes out. He's going hunting. Instead of this time, instead of the gun blowing up on him, he gets captured by a group of cannibals. So they take the king. They tie him up to a post and they're ready to eat. That's disgusting, isn't it? Some of you are about to do that in a few minutes, you know? But they're ready to eat. But they notice something. 
He's missing a thumb. And they're very superstitious. They will not eat anything unclean. So they let the king go. He goes free. The king then feels remorse because he realizes if it wasn't for that thumb that his friend pretty much blew off, he would be dead right now. So he goes back, lets the jailer free, or lets the friend free, and he tells the story to the friend, and the friend goes, well, this is good. And the, jail, and the king looks at him and goes, how in the world can you have such an attitude of this is good with everything that's happened? He goes, because of this. If I were with you, I would have been eight. This is good. What is that? That's about your attitude. That's about perspective, right? Romans 8 and 28 says this, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to what? His purpose. So a third thing we need to do is really refocus on what really matters. What really does matter in life? I break it down in my life. There's only two things matter, my family and my faith. That's what matters to me. Philippians 1, chapter 15 and 18 says this. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. That's speaking of those who are doing it out of envy or rivalry. Not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But watch this. But what does it matter? In other words, you've got this attitude of, but who cares? Because the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motive or true, Christ is still being preached. And because of this, I can rejoice. And yes, I will continue to rejoice. We must stop focusing on the trivial things that are only there to stir up and really focus on the things that really matter. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to understand that bad days plague Paul. Paul's ministry seemed to be most effective, though, when he was in a dire circumstance. He was in prison. He was getting bit by a snake. He was shipwrecked. Paul just decided in his life, though, to have a different attitude. He decided to allow the joy of God, his Savior, the one he's accepted, to show forth through him. He penned these words in Philippians 1 and 21, and it's it's really remarkable. He says, for to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. In other words, Paul is saying that because I know Jesus, there's no way that I can lose. Some of you need to know that. If you know him, there's no way that you can lose. Remember, our existence here is nothing but a vapor. It's so fast. But our eternal existence lasts forever. The decision you make today could result in your eternal, eternal salvation, your, your existence. See, that, that part's up to you. You know, in order to have that joy that we're talking about that, that Paul demonstrates through the scriptures and that he wrote, we first must do this, accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He's got to be the King, the Lord of your life. He's got to be the Almighty. He's got to be that, what, Alpha and the Omega, the 
the beginning, the end. He needs to be that Rosa Sharon. Gosh. He wants to speak life into you. He wants to calm that anxiety, that worry, that fret, that anger. He wants to take that person who's in a very depressed state and say, you're better than this. I'm in you. We're going to rise over this. You are what? More than a conqueror. Why? Because of Jesus who loves you so much. Scripture says, 2 Timothy 4 and 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. You say, pastor, that's impossible. You don't know the attacks I've gone through. You're looking in this, in the natural, looking in the supernatural. You might be going through attack here, but he's gonna rescue you and take you to his kingdom, which is far greater than what this world could ever offer you. Scripture goes on to say, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever, amen. So this takes me to the last point and I have nothing else to say after that, but it's this. When you know Christ, you're in a win-win situation. You can't lose. Absolutely. So here's where we're going to end this this morning. If you want Jesus to be your Lord of your life, I'm asking you to step out where you're at. Come right down here to the front. If you want the joy of the Lord, you realize, look, I got Jesus, but I need to tap into this joy. There's something here and I need to tap into it. Have you ever had a resource at your fingertips and didn't realize you had it? And then once you found out, you were so like ridiculously upset with yourself. That's where some of you are right now. You have a resource right at your availability right now. All you have to do is tap into it. That's Jesus. If that's you this morning and you want the joy of the Lord to spring forth out of your life, when people see you, they see different. They don't see society. They see the church. They see Jesus. You look at Paul. And the environment that he was in. You look, read the book of martyrs. You look at those men and those women who suffered for spreading the gospel, but yet they allowed the joy of the Lord to be their strength. It's right at our fingertips. It's right here, right now. So who wants it? It's up to you. This is your opportunity.